This is the Tom Bernard Show. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... Ralph Basham, the Hackmaster. Andy Brant Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We will be back on the Tom Bernard Show. Walzer Automotive Group started in Minnesota over 60 years ago. Most people know something about the Walzer way. Upfront, no-haggle pricing, work with one person from start to finish, or the free lifetime powertrain warranty on most vehicles sold in Minnesota. What you might not know is they are the only automotive group that is a member of the Keystone Club. They join such great Minnesota companies as General Mills, Target, Cargill, the Twins, Wolves, and Vikings in pledging 5% pre-tax profits to local charities. It's a great example of their core values. Do the right thing, display positive energy, be open-minded, and lead by example. So if you're in the market for a new or used car, check out walzer.com or stop into one of their dealerships. Please don't say, tell them Tommy sent you, because it sounds fake, and I hate it. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom, I'm Dave Schrader. All right, I was just going through some of the news titles uh, that are popping up today, and there's uh, what a what a weird collection in the news. Everything from the face of God to lightning killing a man to ministers beating the devil out of people. So it's a holy week. What's what's with the summit? No one's talking about the summit. Uh, what summit? Beer? I'm a big fan. Love Summit Beer. Summit, summit Beer. <laughs> summit Beer. I just, I, you know, personally, I try to avoid political rhetoric as much oh, as I do? can because oh, okay. I just feel like people are getting beat about it everywhere they go. Yeah, but uh, I know it's a, it's know, a thing. Robert De Niro's comment about the Canadians. Uh, the Canadian prime minister in Canada was part of the coalition who uh, fought against the communists in South oh. Korea, allowed the armistice never to happen. <laughs> and you know the person that's there ain't the person ain't anybody but the person it's, it was the u.s that was there no mm-hmm. one else was, canada wasn't there france wasn't there england wasn't there so i think sweden was involved a lot of countries that were in new zealand australia all, none of those countries they let that they let that situation continue for 60 years it's the most bizarre thing i've ever heard there was no treaty ever signed it was just a ceasefire 
bizarre. I, I can't imagine internationally a lot that allowing to continue. So, but did. Well, but there's a lot of things where the ball just gets dropped, but people yeah, just but kind of move not on. Not like that. No. Not not. I, I, is there any place in the world where there has been a war, and there was just a ceasefire? There's continued ongoing conflict all over the world. But is there any? I can't think of any other place where there has been a just a ceasefire and that's it, and they just let it sort of dangle there forever. Very I don't know. Maybe because of the posturing is they have to take a, a certain uh, level where it's like, all right, this is. I don't want to. Say, we're we're not going to concede either way yeah. on this. We're just going to do a ceasefire and step away, and then we leave it be. And that kind of keeps everybody's ego in check. Mm-hmm. With nobody fully gave up. Nobody considered a but, winner in this deal. But that's an unstable situation. There've been there've been terrible deaths, terrible tragedies, and this continued ongoing kind of nitpicking, fighting, and like you know. Right, but siblings that, like picking at each other. Isn't that kind of the way it's always been? So even if you give it the title of "War Is Over," does that really mean it is? Or is somebody going to reignite it in, a, in two weeks from now? Well, anyway, that was always a risk. Like, wasn't that the, like the situation between Russia and the country of Georgia? Because well, they kind of did know, a ceasefire. Because well, remember? Oh, maybe. Yeah, because they haven't. It was like there yeah, was but, like a two days where they were um, fighting, and then there was like a ceasefire, and we really because I wasn't like. Weren't they trying to uh, expand the border of Georgia, or oh, Russia was, was trying yeah, was some, to? Yeah, some such thing like that. It's, it's somebody wants something. That, yeah, so some missiles were thrown, yeah. and then they said oh, cease fire, and we haven't really heard anything. Yeah, yeah, but that was that's not, you know, that's between two countries. Rather, this was a this was a major conflict mm-hmm. between major powers in the world, and it was never solved. Yeah, really, the only one I know of that has cease fires, but then it always. Finds a way to reignite is you know Palestine and Israel and well, they don't have, those kind. But they don't really have a war. They didn't have a declared war. They didn't. Uh, I thought they did. I thought they declared war. They just declared they hate each other. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, you suck. No, you do. Well, there was, there, there was, there <laughs> was, we have war. I don't care, but you suck. There, were, there was there was the the Sinai Peninsula War. Well, that was in the sixties. Oh, with Egypt. That was that was the peace treaty there. Mm-hmm. Now, there was the war in Lebanon, but I don't know if there was a peace treaty was signed there or Israel just pulled out. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's so yeah. it's so hard to really yeah. pinpoint what's going on because it's like yeah. it, there's so many uh, <sighs> people, like too many chefs in the kitchen when it comes to the Middle East. So it's hard to say. If, is there an actual war declared? I mean, I know we've been over there. Too many, too many religions in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Oh, ow. But that's true. It's, 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 it's so such a huge... Diversity. It's all religions in the world are sort of, you know, poking each other. The Buddhists are poking at the Rohingya. The Hindus are poking at the Muslims. You know, which is you know. weird because at the core of every religion is about peace. Oh, you think? Mm-hmm. So oh, why well, is there continued? Uh, there you go. Poking and prodding. It's, exactly. Yeah, the core at every religion is peace, love, tolerance. The is core it, of I, most humans is not peace. There you go. My peace is better than your peace. Well, that's, that's true. Pretty that's much true. how it's. It's gotten to. I just. It's so. Um, I, I just try and step away. I don't even watch the national news anymore because it's just constant. Yeah. Negative. I, whether it's our own political climate, whether it's. Mm-hmm. But I you did. Know, I did want to read, mm-hmm. if I could, a statement, a quote from Kim Jong Un. Oh, okay. Kim Jong Un <laughs> reported on CNN. It has not been easy to come to this point, uh, Kim said, according to a CNN translation for his remarks. For us, the past has been holding us back, and old practices and prejudices have been covering our eyes and ears. 
That, that's very Asian in my, my opinion. But we have been able to overcome everything to arrive here today. Mm-hmm. That that kind of rhetoric from that or the other side, the people mm-hmm. that we hate, that we can't trust, I think that means a lot. If that's you know, and CNN, and I can I don't can't disagree. With it. They wouldn't they wouldn't publish something like that. Mm-hmm. So I just find that very interesting to think. I think it's a huge step forward. But aside from that, no, well, well you're right. It is. It's a step forward and, and in the right direction. But is there some other motivation? Is there some kind of I don't know. I think that's what people are so worried and, about. And is where's the other shoe? Because it has been. That's right. That's it's been that situation forever and ever and ever. And I have no faith that this is going anywhere. But it's it's, it's something more than what we've seen. You know, in the past, when was the last the overture? When was the last time? It was in the '90s, early '90s. Yeah, that they had gone through. No. It was in 2000, 2002 or some such thing. But that, it all fell apart. I mean, you know, it just didn't work. Well, the, right now, though, we're primed for a difference. And with the pressure from all sides, yeah. do you at this point think, well, you know what, maybe what we're doing is not being real successful. We don't want to yeah. cut ourselves off to spite our, you know, cut our nose off to spite our face either. So we have to make some overtures. Kim Jong-un, he, 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 he traveled to Beijing twice. Mm-hmm. You know, and he gets there. And I think, I think they said, hey, look, look, look here. Look what's going on here. We got the communism, you know. We're getting up. We got our communism. It's working just good here. And look how much money we're making off these Americans. We're selling them stuff. We're, just, you know, this is working really good. We're selling stuff all over the world. Why don't you think about this? You may loosen this thing up a little bit. You know, maybe we'll get you a little something here. I think that's what it was. And I also think that he wants to think of himself as a player. That's why Dennis Rodman had his ear. And I think he, there may be a piece of that because Kim Jong Un wants to be a player. He just he's a younger guy, and he's got the hairstyle and everything. Well, I refer. I refer to the it summit like is Chet from it, uh, Weird Science. That's right. But, but the, the, that, that summit was the hair dare, the right. hair dare summit, because it was it was the two world leaders who have the worst hairstyles, the two worst hairstyles. Well, even if if this can cause a peace treaty, if it's a financial gain for North Korea, well, it should be. I mean, I'm all for it as long as. I mean, obviously, these things are driven by money. Yeah. You know, but if it's enough for them to put their egos aside and have peace, I'm all for it. I could care less what they gained because, I mean, this, especially with North Korea, you know, you know, South Korea has been so, um, I mean, have they been playing a part in this treaty? Oh, sure, sure. Have they? Okay. And and, and it's really, it's it's a... with my understanding, it's a, the picture is that the South Korean lead, leader is a more liberal kind of a thinker, mm-hmm. and in that situation, those leaders have a ten, have had a tendency to be more cordial toward North Korea. And in many in years gone back, they uh, they were always talking about reunification, reunification, and the last thing that South Korea wants is reunification. Now, mm-hmm. that's not what they want because they saw what happened to Germany when East Germany was reunified. They want no parts of it because the the financial burden associated with that, you know, could almost corrupt the company or bankrupt the company, country, the company. <laughs> and the company and the right. companies. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We shall see how it'll play out. Today, in the category of almost too weird to be believed, the White House made a fake movie trailer that President Trump showed to Kim Jong Un at the start of the leader's historic meeting in Singapore. The four-plus-minute video, which even features the overlay Destiny Pictures presents. Despite the fact that there is not, in fact, any actual film coming out, envisions a world in which Trump and Kim have come together to create peace. Gizmodo has the full transcript, which features sweeping language like, Two men, two leaders, 
One Destiny. <laughs> a story about a special moment in time when a man is presented with one chance which may never be repeated. What will he choose? To show vision and leadership or not? You can watch the English version, Korean version, or even a version shot from the back of the press conference room where it was shown to reporters. That's the best thing in the world. That, is, that was Trump playing to Kim Jong-un's yeah, sure personality. Ego, sure. It's ego, but it just like I said, he wants to be a player. Or play a. I'm sorry, a play a. And I think, and really, I believe that's his personality. He's a younger person. He, so he's trying to take him from gangsta to player. Play he wants to get him to gangsta to player. And, you know, and I, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll see. You know, but Dennis Rodman was crying on TV. I know, I saw that. What's what's Dennis what's Rodman's that, but, skin in the but, game? I don't but he was, understand. He was wearing the Make America Great hat again, and I just man, that floored me. I didn't expect him to be wearing the hat, and that good for him. I, well, it's like Kanye West all of a sudden, Trump's best friend. It's like where'd that come yeah, from? Well, there's, uh, my son was in. He talked to a cab driver when he was down in uh, Nashville, and he and it was a black woman. She, and he said, "Well, what do you think? What's going on?" She says, well, "I kind of like him. I kind of like Trump." You know, so there's a lot of things going on. I see a lot of, a lot of people of color who are who are employed now at the airport. Love to see it. Love to see it. So, well, if he can pull this off, you have to know. give Trump credit. I mean, this is well, something someone's that, gonna have to. Well, I hope. Well, yeah, because I mean, no one has been able to get North mm-hmm. Korea to agree. I mean, it's almost like you get there and then they but back man, off. But if boy, he, boy, that. Wouldn't the Nobel Committee that really stick in their throat? Yeah, they would not <laughs> be happy. That would stick in their throat. A lot of people would be really unhappy, ironically. Yeah. But where does it fall then again? Is this really, and I don't mean this rudely, but is it really Trump's doing? Or was Kim kind of smart enough to see the writing on the wall and say, you know what, in order to take a different stance and get the attention off us from the negative light that's now cast across our country, should we make a change? And Trump just happened to be the guy to say, we should make a change. Yeah, okay, let's talk. Be fortuitous. You could say it's his rhetoric, mm-hmm. which Trump's already said. It's right. the, the rhetoric is, is part of the part of the deal making. Part of the deal making is that rhetoric. That's that's his style. And he said, I don't even know the facts. That's not important. The important is attitude. The importance of this is attitude. I don't need More, to know the facts. That's really terrifying. Well, no, but that's it, how what, a lot what, of business what, is. What, fa- yeah. what facts do you need to know? What facts do you really need to know? You know, he has one or two things. They're simple things. Are we going to denuclearize this place or not? Right. Hey, wait. What's with the human rights? What? What else? <laughs> it boils down to two questions. Well, so they were there. They were together with for forty-five minutes. And have you minutes. seen Kristen Burt's wiki feed page? That's right. That's Let's the, the, <laughs> so, so they. So they. So so Trump. Trump. And Trump probably showed it on his phone. I mean, I. I that meeting would have been a fascinating thing to see. He was, there, there's four of them there, and yeah. they're they're talking. You know, and well, why didn't they do that as a pay-per-view event? And the oh. money goes to the different uh, governments. Hmm. Yeah, well, just people would have sat in to watch that. Send it into North Korea. Yeah, I'll give it all to North Korea. Yeah. See, money left on the table. Money left on the table. That could be a pay per view. Why not? Yeah, political pay per view. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, Budweiser, the King of Beers, <laughs> along with Caesar's Palace, presents today's summit. I want to sell the table. I get to sell the tabletop. Tabletop. That was downshot. Downshot, right. and you'll see there'll be something on the table, like selling the ring in a boxing on, match. On the back of Trump's jacket, Basham.com. <laughs> something like that. You know, Kim Jong Un. You know, he might get he get some fake ink on the back of his head. Right. You know, uh, what would it? What Drink would he, Pepsi. Pepsi. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he wants a Pepsi franchise. That's he wants. Right. A, that's all he wants out of this. Yeah. He wants a Pepsi franchise in North Korea. <laughs> I can just get the Pepsi franchise in North Korea. See, we could, I could, we could settle the world's problems and financial woes by uh, 
by creating pay-per-view. <laughs> pay-per-view and then, then selling as many of the surfaces as we possibly That's right. could. Every square inch, and you just keep changing the position of the camera as they're doing it. You know, you get, you get a, you know, they have custom grills now. You know, yeah. you, you know, maybe you know, one of the leaders got the grill on and it has a little something in the one tooth. Yeah. You know. Netflix. Donald Trump's last (laughs) point was brought to you by. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Chevy. Made Uh, Chevy tough. I'm just still baffled that this is all coming about and started with Dennis Rodman going to North Korea. (laughs) According to him, he says he was he was he fell in love with the place and really had compassion for him. I mean, Mm -hmm. and I I don't know the man that much. I mean, he he just seems so outrageous in so many ways. Yet. Yet, you know, he, he seemed to I – mean, he, was he involved at all? Is he part of this? Some people want to uh, intimate that. Who knows? These, these, these things are so nebulous. Wouldn't it be funny if know. Rodman turns out to be the one to get the, oh. the piece? Oh, that'd be the, that, might, that might be the best. Tip him up all over the place. <laughs> Rodman, Rodman scores. And then we put that on pay-per-view when he gets awarded. Oh, and then he's to, then he's to give a lecture. Uh-huh. He's to give a lecture, you know, when he would get your award. Oh, wow. Just Dennis saying, Rodman. Maybe that's why that's the skin in the game for Rodman. He's looking for that that award that Jordan will never have. That's right. Right. He'll have that. He'll have beaten Michael Jordan once and for all. That's the uh, <laughs> Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Dennis Rodman's picture up there. Do you think he'll have the piercings? Do you do? Oh, of course he'll yeah. do that. Because yeah. he had both noses, the one in the middle of the lip, and he had the earrings in. I want to see him run, thread the uh, chain through all of them. He's, he's, you've been the foot sights too much. Let's uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got some weird stories to share, and in a little bit, we're going to talk about Ted Bundy with Kevin Sullivan here on the Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you know how important it is to have the right dock. That's why you should know about Flow Docks. Flow Docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side to side sway. They're completely modular so you can configure them to your family's needs or add on as your family's needs grow. And get this, you can install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flow's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make, right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy. My friends at Flow also told me that hockey star Ryan Suter bought a Flow dock and lift as he wanted the best for his family. See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. See them at floeintl.com, Flow Docks and Lifts, a better way. It's Tom telling you how easy it's been for me to lose weight on the Nutramost weight loss plan. And now you can find out how to have success losing weight at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth, just like me. At their free informational dinner on Monday, June 18th, 6 p.m. at Jake's in Plymouth, those unwanted pounds will melt away really fast. I've lost over 55 pounds at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth. After being educated on clean eating, finding out what foods my body prefers, and I now know the foods that are weight gain triggers. As I've said over and over again, the Nutramost weight loss plan is so easy, and they guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more in just 40 days. There's no exercise, shots, drugs, prepackaged food. I'm never hungry. Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth has helped me change my life, and I know they can help you too. Call now to register for the Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth dinner. It is on June 18th. To register, call 763-333-7337. That's 763-333-7337. 
We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back. Dave Schrader filling in. For Americans, the face of God, what would you say? Right now, if I put before you an idea of what Americans surveyed around the United States, Ralph, believed the face of God would look like, what do you believe it would be? Oh. And you don't have to go on what's what's always traditionally been. What, what kind of face yeah, do you think? I, I, you know, I say, oh, well, of course it's going to be it's going to be some white guy. But then I could think, well, you know, geez, you know, a lot of people that aren't white. So then you got to get a little color into there. Then you got to distort, you know, you know, not distort. Oh, that was a terrible word. Oh, no, please yeah. let me take that back. Please edit that out. No, if you if you <laughs> change the facial appearance so it's more international appearance, got a little, got a little, throw a little Asian in there. You got to throw a little, you know, so, you know, mid mid continent African in there. You know, so that people, you know, you got a little. Uh, a sort of an international physical appearance. So you're Tiger Woods, essentially? And then, is and then oh, look yeah, like. a, a, a little bit of that. Okay. And th- then, then you got to say, oh, geez, but then is it a man? Ow. So oh. think about It's like, you know, you, you, you get up, you get up at the Burley Gates, you know, and it'd be like uh, Jackie Gleason, you know, he was the atheist. <laughs> you get up there and it's a woman. Yeah. Sorry, Pally, I thought <laughs> it was a guy, <laughs> you know. What about you, Andy? What do you think? I figure God can take whatever form he wants, so depends on who he's appearing to. Honey, what I mean, do you think Americans would believe God looks like? Americans? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> well, we've been brought up that he's this old white guy with a long white beard. I or, mean, I don't... or George Burns. No, that's, no, that, that, that's <laughs> George Burns. No, that's Mr. Natural you're thinking of. That's <laughs> from, Zap Com- from, from Zap Comic Books. No, that's different. Yeah. That's different. Different, total different persona. Mm. Yeah, but you, well, but or or you, would she say, "Oh, he's a burning bush"? Do the burning bush go back to the burnish book, burning bush thing? For Americans, the face of God resembles Ryan Gosling. <laughs> you can now say you've stared into the face of God, or at least a face Americans believe resembles it. Surprisingly, there's no beard in sight. Instead, faces selected from pairs of photos by more than 500 U.S. Christians tasked with choosing their vision of God combined to show a clean-cut young Caucasian man. With a slight resemblance to Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Do you think if this was done in the eighties, it would look like Patrick Swayze, Roadhouse Probably. edition? Roadhouse. Oh. <laughs> People are like their lives are too influenced and, by and, celebrities. And, and, and. Do you know who's laughing the most over this? Ryan Gosling, God, oh, yeah. God's out well, there. He is. He's out there. Like, yeah. What's wrong with these people? That's a trick question. What's wrong with these We're people? all made in His image, so That's anybody right. can look like him. Yeah, wrong. exactly. Researchers from the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, say <laughs> most believers imagine a God who is suited to meet their needs and who looks like them. Of course, according to an egocentric bias per the Daily Express. For example, liberals imagine a younger, more feminine, and less Caucasian God than conservatives who choose more powerful and more Caucasian faces. Researchers write in the PLOS One. That's weird. Yeah, this picture of Ryan Gosling is the face of God. And it's this weird kind of digitized Rorschach looking. Yeah, the look blockiness is just weird. Look at this, Ralph. That's the... That's, <laughs> looks, like a, looks like a police sketch. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen this messiah? <laughs> Uh, Have you seen this deity? That's right. You know, it d- certainly doesn't look like Buddha. Oh, no. ow. Really? It doesn't look like Buddha. You know, the, the those statues. Those yeah. are, that guy. Well, that's because they're, they're talking to Americans. So oh, it's I, all going to look right. Caucasian. That's right. Because right. right. a real Jesus would probably be much more Middle Eastern looking. Right? Yes. A man's Dark black. skin. Jesus is, right? he is a black man. Don't, yeah. don't, don't. Th- I can't imagine any other way. 
I'd be careful. You got a long walk home out to the car. There's nothing That's, wrong with that. Fight no, words for part of the country. I know that people are starting to fuss over stuff, but man, he's a black guy. So. Well, according to Except God, that. on Twitter, he looks like an old white guy with a long white beard. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. There's, oh, what is what is that? The tweet of God. <laughs> the tweet of God. What's yeah. his recent posting? Um, let's see. If you can't get along with Canada, you're not human. <laughs> and then he's got a picture of Kim Jong Un and Donald Trump, and it says, "Not pictured a human being." <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, God not, is judgy. Yes, and it, he also said humans are not designed to handle social media. Yeah. But now so. look. No. So, did you pick up? Did you pick up an image of Mr. Natural? Mr. Natural, I can. That's do the that. one with the long white beard. Yeah, that's like the Crumb cartoons. Right? Keep on trucking. Yeah, keep. Is that the Crumb cartoons? I think it's like it's that style, that '70s kind of weird porn cartoon style that they used hey. to do. Hey, oh, they, I'm sorry. They were what? they were a little coarse. I agree. But was, don't oh, call you just like it, it was, wasn't it Ralph Bakshi or something like that? Was the <laughs> artist back then one of those guys? <laughs> oh yeah, you know. I just I, when I saw Zap comic books, I said this isn't right. There's yeah. no, this isn't right. It's not a normal thing. A minister at a church, since we're already into religion, a minister at a church accused of beating out demons is charged in a fraud scheme. When the 2008 recession hit, a top minister at a secretive North Carolina church concocted a devious plan. Lay off employees at his business, make them collect unemployment benefits, then force them to keep working full time. Um... Hmm. The minister did this? Mm-hmm. Oh, he was saying a business. He wasn't just... No, it was his, for his church, and that's what the federal indictment is saying. Marion Kent Covington, a minister at Word of Faith Fellowship Church, carried out the scheme, which resulted in over $250,000 in fraudulent unemployment claims between November of 2008 and March of 2013. With Diane Mary McKinney, a church member... And other co-conspirators, the indictment says. On Thursday, Covington, 63, and McKinney, 65, were charged by a federal grand jury with wire fraud, and they now face up to 30 years in prison and a $1 million fine. Yeah, well, they ain't going to get the money, but they'll spend the time in the big house. Yeah, the indictment comes one month after fellow Word of Faith members Jerry Gross and Jason Lee Gross pled guilty to their involvement in the scam, according to the Associated Press. This is the first scandal... The sect has weathered. Past members have accused leaders of beating the demons out of congregants, including gay worshipers, and operating a human pipeline that sent young Brazilians to work for ministers at the church in the small town of Spindle for little to no pay. The justification was to keep God's business afloat. That was the reason. 100% for the people who were doing it. They didn't feel like they were necessarily defrauding anybody. Former Word of Life member Vincenta del Toro told the Charlotte Observer, in the fraud case, Covington and McKinney came up with the plan in 2008, first testing it out at Diverse Corporate Technologies, the minister's plastic manufacturing company. The indictment says Covington and McKinney allegedly laid off employees uh, at the company, then instructed them to file claims for unemployment benefits. Next, Covington called a business meeting at DCT and informed the remaining DCT employees that the company could no longer afford to pay their wages and that they therefore would be placed on UI benefits but that Covington expected the employees to continue to work at DCT full-time in order to help the business survive. That's what the indictment is stating. Covington used his position of authority within his church community, which included most, if not all, of the employees at DCT to coerce the employees to comply. The alleged scam resulted in over six months of free labor for the plastics company, so the duo spread the word to the Grosses, a father and son pair who owned the foot and ankle center of the Carolinas, 
and the owner of a for-profit contracting business who was referred to as JF in court records, according to the uh, documents. The church members maintained the scheme for five years, replicating it at Covington's Integrity Marble and Granite in 2010, and again at Skycatcher Communications, a business the minister managed, federal officials say. Covington and McKinney, their attorney, Stephen Cash, did not respond to requests for a comment. The government is seeking at least $310,000 in forfeitures, and the pair are set to be arraigned on June 18th. So, so this, so this uh, religious thing was a, part, was a part-time gig? Yeah. Just a Sunday gig for him? Yeah, Covington is married to Brooke Covington, one of the several Word of Faith members accused of beating a gay teenager for over two hours to get rid of his impure thoughts, as he, previously reported. Oh, they're going to beat the gay out of him? Yeah. You know, that, that doesn't work. I didn't think I was going to come out of it alive, Matthew Fenner said in 2014. I had at least 15 to 20 college-age men around me screaming, shaking, punching me, hitting my chest, grabbing my head, telling me to repeat different phrases, Fenner stated in the affidavit. Local authorities delayed investigations of Fenner's abuse allegations, leading the 24-year-old to pursue misdemeanor charges against the congregants and leaders, according to the AP investigation, into the church. That case ended in a mistrial last year. Wow. Wow. Just, just to so you're saying you can't beat the gay out of somebody? Well, well the times have changed as to what you can do against people's will. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, 30 years ago you could be, beat up a gay guy, you know, and, and no one really would care. But you know, that doesn't work. It's not appropriate. We can't do that. That's 30 not years ago. Well, 30 years ago. 60 years ago, maybe. Well, well, 30 years ago, a lot of people got beat up, and well, 30 no years one did. ago, people just got beat up in general a lot more. <laughs> but it, it's you know it. It's horrible things that have happened in the past, and to to continue this sort of nonsense. I mean, it just throw them in jail for that. I mean, for stupidity. I mean, that, so much of this is stupidity. I can't believe this stuff goes on. Protesters stage a die-in in front of the Capitol on the anniversary of the Pulse shootings. Demonstrators from across the country staged die-in demonstrations on Tuesday, including on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., as part of a nationwide campaign to protest gun violence and call for comprehensive gun reforms. Protesters dropped to the ground in front of the Capitol building for 12 minutes, 720 seconds, symbolic of the approximate number of mass shooting victims in the past two years to illustrate the effect of what they see as legal or lethal legislative inaction. If we don't do monthly demonstrations, the noise goes away. Nura Abdulluk, I'm pretty sure I got that right, Abdulluk, kind of a big name to try to rattle out. One of the founders of the National Die-In Movement told The Hill, if lawmakers can sell themselves out with constituents dying, that's pretty sad and they're cowards. The protest, which drew victims of gun, gun violence as participants, comes on the second anniversary of the shooting at the Pulse Gay Nightclub in Orlando, Florida. The gunman killed 49 before being shot by police in what became the deadliest mass shooting in the U.S., at the time. At the time. Two years later, we've already beat that. Political speeches, including one by Matt Deitch, a survivor of February's Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School shooting in Parkland, Florida, and a founder of the March for Our Lives movement, preceded the die-in. Oh, wait a second. Uh-huh. The 40 people were killed, in the, over 40 people were killed in the gay... 49 people. In the gay bar. 49. Right. Well, what other shooting in America has had 49 people? I don't know. You'd have to... I'm, Paradise. I'm the Paradise oh. uh, Hotel or whatever the hell it was. Oh, the uh, Outdoor Vegas concert? Okay, yep. that was it. Okay. 49 people. How many were killed in that? 58. Wow. Yeah. Although, I'm not seeing the Pulse nightclub one on here. 49? Yeah, that's what it says what? according to this article. 
Mm. The gunman killed 49 before being shot by police. They said, I'm here for Pulse, I'm here for Stoneman Douglas, I'm here for every single mass shooting since, and every single mass shooting that is going to continue until we do something, Deitch said. Other rallies are taking place today in major cities such as New York City, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Organizers of the National Branch encourage sister rallies to stage die-ins at state capitals, city halls, government buildings, and regional offices of the National Rifle Association, the gun lobby group that has been a target of gun control activists, the student survivors of the Parkland school shooting who have organized to advocate gun control also want legislators to refuse financial contributions from the NRA, which spent $5 million in lobbying just in 2017 alone. The NRA will meet with the Russian donors, but will refuse to meet with the children of Parkland, Deitch said, referring to the recent reports that NRA officials dined with Russians in Moscow in 2016. We uh, we need morally just leaders, not the people who are currently serving us. We have our guest. Oh, well, we've just got yes, two hi. minutes. Uh, Kevin, can we get you to hold on a minute? We're going to wrap up the segment. We'll come back and, and talk a little Ted Bundy in a few moments. Would that be all right? Yeah, that's good. Thank you. All right. Hold tight, Kevin. Uh, so what do you guys think? I mean, these protests that are going on, a die-in, is that going to really it's, get it's, the attention? Well, I think I think it's a way to protest. I think it's a legitimate way to protest. Right. And they're getting the ink that they deserve, which which is is important. It's an important issue, and they, you know, they're, they're putting in their hearts where their beliefs are. Now, the problem is, is that, you know, maybe we should get a little – going to do a die-in down there in South Chicago. I know it's not a bad. Yeah, really. You know, you know, if we kill them one at a time, that's okay. But you know, if you know. Yeah, we, I mean, seven twenty you know, victims of you know mass shootings in the past two years compared to how many thousands of non mass shootings. Yeah, and uh, particularly in South Chicago, what yeah. is, what's the annual uh, annual uh, death count in Chicago? It's well, that I mean, to me, that's very poignant on the whole gun control issue. The only time it's brought up is when we have. One uh, person who uh, is a mass shooting, Mm -hmm. but in these inner cities, they're getting shot up every day and by criminals who have guns that are not, I mean, they acquired them illegally. Oh, there you go. So that's the issue. These people that are, I mean, a lot of these mass shootings, yes, it's a... It's a legal gun, or they got it from a family member or something. But that's where the mental illness issue plays a big part. Mm-hmm. But if you really want to get serious about gun control, you can't cherry-pick events to post that's your right. agenda. So I think South Chicago is a key spot. And in, mm-hmm. in many inner-city neighborhoods have that problem as well. We'll yeah. cover more of that when we come back. When we uh, are joined in the next segment, Kevin Sullivan will be Speaking with us. Speaking of murder. A retired minister and author of 12 books. He is uh, here to talk to us on the trail of Ted Bundy. That's next on the Tom Bernard Show. Chris Lindahl's here, ladies and gentlemen. Finally, a package that benefits the homeowner and not the realtor. We're giving away a free home staging package. And the reason we're doing this for KQ listeners is because you just have to win that online beauty pageant. In today's world, over 90% of showings are done on the Internet. And so you want to make sure that you stand out. The Chris Lindahl team has stagers on staff, so we're able to give you free staging packages at no cost to you. So how'd you come up with this idea, Chris? Well, what's happening right now is we're watching homeowners lose tens of thousands of dollars by not having the right architectural photography and the right staging. And so they're losing all of these impressions and these showings online. And we want to do something to make a difference. And one of the number one core values at the Chris Lindahl team is to be generous and give back. So we're giving free home staging packages to kick you listeners. So, Chris, how do people get in touch with you? Yeah, to take advantage of the free home staging package, you can call 763-401-SOLD 
or go to chrislindahl.com. That's Chris with a K. And don't forget to mention Tom sent you. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. When you call Sabre for service, you'll get a certified technician that's an expert at diagnosing, repairing, and installing heating and air conditioning equipment. Sabre Techs give you the service you need, not the other stuff that you don't need. When you combine that with Sabre's A rating for customer service and the best equipment from Bryant, you get exactly what you need. So make the call to Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning today. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. There's a weird irony to this song in our next guest. Uh, <laughs> the Trail of Ted Bundy offers fresh information from the official case files in areas not widely known or publicized. Kevin Sullivan, our guest, is a retired minister and author of 12 books. He's a former contributing writer for Snitch, a weekly newspaper devoted to crime and law, and has been a regular guest on my show, True Crime Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Filling in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, and this is Kevin Sullivan for our next uh, segment. Kevin, thank you for joining me today. Oh, sure. It's nice to speak with you again. And whoever else is out there in the background, hi, guys. We got, we got Ralph and Andy and, and uh, Cassie all sitting in uh, today. Let's let's get into this. I'm interested. I mean, there's been so much said about sure. Ted Bundy. And right. there is still information that comes out about this guy and the crimes and the things that he was really involved in. Uh, you've been writing sure. about Bundy for how long now? Oh, it's. Uh, I started my research in 2006. I never had any intention of writing about Ted Bundy ever, but a friend of mine was good friends with the uh, Utah detective by the name of Jerry Thompson. Uh, as you know, Bundy started killing in Washington State, went to law school in Utah, killed there, branched out from there, killed women in Colorado and Idaho, finally escaped uh, after he was arrested, got down to Florida and, and killed there and was put to death there. However, Jerry Thompson out of uh, Utah is the, is the fellow that brought Bundy out of the uh, shadows, as it were, and uh, he was a good friend of my friend James James Massey, who has now passed away, but but Massey called me one night and said, "Listen, I'm going to have uh, uh, dinner with uh, Jerry Thompson and his wife here in Louisville in a couple of months. You know, would you like to have dinner with us?" I said, "Sure." I went and had dinner with them, and Jerry Thompson for years has had Bundy's uh, murder kit uh, that was taken from him when he was arrested in Utah, and from from that I got to meet Jerry. I, I got to bring the murder kit into my house and photograph it. And before he left, before Jerry left, he gave me one of the uh, green glad trash bags that Bundy used to put the victim's clothes in that, that came from, from his car. And he gave uh, also Jim one. And it was so surreal, that whole deal. I knew I was going to write an article for Snitch about it, but I couldn't get away from how surreal this whole thing was. So I went ahead and decided I would write a book. And my first, and what's my main book on the case? Is, is a book that came out in 2009. That's The Bundy Murders, A Comprehensive History. And what makes that book uh, so stand out is because when I was halfway through the book, I was getting a lot of information that had never been published before about the case, including new information concerning uh, about four of the murders where detectives were opening up when, uh, uh, more so 20 years later than they were at the time. And so uh, it contained a lot of new information. And so uh, it's, it, it's always been a, a good seller for me. And But in tw 2015, uh, I, 
I, I was wanting to write a companion volume to it. And so I, I, I started doing interviews again. And I was able to uh, write what is now The Trail of Ted Bundy, uh, Digging Up the Untold Stories. And in that book, again, I was able to find out a lot of new information. There was a, a number of his Mormon friends from Utah who had never given um, any interviews before. And, for instance, one fella. Uh, who was offered a lot of money, who was a good f- friend of Bundy's in Utah, was offered a lot of money uh, to give uh, to uh, a, a, an interview to uh, one of the tabloid you know, magazines. He, this was back three days after Bundy was put to death. He said no. But then 20 years later, he's talking to me, and I, I don't have to pay him a dime, but he wants to talk, and he trusts me. So he, he gives me the full story. A lot of information comes out. And so I've been fortunate when I've been writing about Bundy, uh, to gather a lot of new in- information. And then the last, and I didn't well, know... Let, let me ask you real quick. Trilogy. Yeah, go ahead, go Kevin, ahead. Let me ask you, so you, you talked to this guy who refused to talk to the tabloids for a healthy paycheck, but he, he right. opens up to you. What were some of the bits of information he shared with you at that point, all those years later? Really interesting stuff. He became good friends. Well, for, for, for example, he talked about how Ted acted around him. And uh, uh, he told me one time, he said, you know, Ted asked me to go to uh, skiing with him into, you know, Colorado. And he said, you know, he thought that was a good idea. He said, but the morning that Ted came by to get me, um, I had all my stuff packed and ready to go. I was standing on the sidewalk. He pulled up. And at the last moment, he said, would you mind if I go just by myself? And uh, he said, no, but he thought it was strange. He said, I just need to have time to myself. Well, what was happening to Bundy, that was during one of those periods when that murder was rising in him and it was overwhelming him. And he, he, you know, he just needed to go and do it. And it, at the time that this happened, it, uh, it matched a time uh, in Colorado when he was killing you know, one of these girls. And so he, they just had a lot of information. They, you know, they liked it. When this came out about him, they didn't want to believe that that was true. They had the same reaction that the Washington State people had. They they didn't want to believe that he was really this killer, but uh, but they just had good information. And uh, they talked about how he, uh, you know, interacted with people at parties. And I I, I was able to receive the the testimony of Carol uh, Bartholomew. Uh, there's a real famous picture of. Uh, really pretty blonde lady uh, standing in the kitchen doing dishes and Ted is uh, pointing a, you know, rinsing gun at her and helping her dry dishes. And um, it's a very famous photo, but nobody ever had the real story behind it. Well, I was able to to get hold of Carol and, uh, and interview me. I I mean, I interviewed her and she sent to me uh, her email story. So it, it was great. And so I was able to, publish it just like you said it and it was those sorts of things that i heard from a lot of people that uh, were still coming forward now there's still information out there i don't know whether future writers will be able to find out for instance really vital stuff about new information about the murders but there's always going to be people that you can interview that new bundy and anytime i interviewed anybody i made sure that they were very you know bona fide Bundy contacts and that they knew other people that I knew that confirmed that they did know Bundy. And so when you get that, 
you can you can usually turn out some interesting stuff. But with the Mormon folks that, that I interviewed, um, they just hadn't opened up much. And I can kind of understand why they didn't open up back then. They just didn't want to go into it with anybody. But many years of that. And so when I, you know, here I, I'm coming along 20 years later, and uh, even more than that, maybe 25 years later, and they're thinking, well, you know, maybe I can talk about this now. What, so Kevin, it, what, it what kind of information? What, what kind of information can we really glean from people 20 years after the fact who didn't realize that Bundy was was doing this and were just as surprised as everybody else? I mean, what new information could there be? Well, the information is is just again, it's not going to be vital as to like things that we didn't know about the murders, but it would be interesting for for, for example that there there's a fella uh, named named. Uh, Greg Rose, and for my last book, uh, you know, The Bundy Secrets, I have a chapter of brand new you know, interviews there, too. And Greg was the uh, person that got to know Linda Ann Healy out of uh, Washington State, uh, who Bundy came into the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the rooming house early one morning and took her. And she she was a she was a, a ski report announcer at a radio station in, in Seattle, as well as going to the university. Well, I mean, I've, I've interviewed him, and, and Greg told me some of the conversations they had. She, he happened to tell me what she told him about what she was going to be doing that upcoming weekend. Of course, she didn't survive that upcoming weekend. She was dead by the next day. But, uh, like, well, I'm sorry, within like two days. And so it's just it's interesting stuff pertaining to right, kind of the, the story. The peripheral part yeah, of the, the story. story. What, uh, was he yeah. aggressive towards men at all? Was there ever problems with throwing fists with, with guys, or was this always something he kept subdued and just took out on women? You know, I, I have a firm belief that Bundy was uh, basically afraid of men. He, he didn't want confrontation with men. So um, his view of women, he had two views. One, I mean, he, he was a homicidal psychopath, so he would murder and slaughter women, that's true. But he was also the kind of psychopath that would take advantage of people, including William. I mean, you know, women. I mean, he had women that he wanted to date and have sex with, and he had no intention of murdering. And he would use them for their money. And he did this with Liz Kendall, his his girlfriend of six years. I do think as much as a psychopath can, he had a degree of love for her. But, of course, he was never faithful to her. But the bottom line is he had women for that, and he had women that he wanted to slaughter, but there's nowhere in the record where uh, he had any kind of long-lasting, even friendships with men. He did growing up as a kid and as a young teenager. He had a couple really good friends, but as he approached adulthood, he basically was, you know, except for the guys that he worked with, like on the political campaigns and things like that, but those would be more like work associates. Real friendships, he just didn't really have many. Okay. And I don't think he would ever use violence against men unless it was absolutely, you know, necessary. He was kind of, I think, I think concerned about that. And you, and you can see that at certain places within the record. Does he ever, um, you know, do, do we have any insight on what made Ted Bundy like this? He seemed to come from a really good, strong family and stock. There's, you know, I, I yeah. don't understand where his predilection for violence, especially towards women, came from. Do you have any insights on this that you've uncovered all these years? No, that's the one thing I don't think that we're ever going to know. Ted tried to blame it on pornography. Pornography does have a lot of negatives to it, but it doesn't uh, turn people into what he became. So, 
whatever it was, there were some signs in childhood that he was different. And uh, his aunts saw it, and it, certain things happened that would bother them. But people are always seeking answers as to why he became what he became. And I, the, the, the truth of the matter is, the only thing that we know for sure is that um, he exhibited signs of not, not being normal at certain portions of his childhood. Uh, many portions of his childhood appear to be fine. And that as he grew up, he felt different, and he didn't feel like he was connected. And we also know that because he was illegitimate, even though uh, when his mother married uh, Johnny Bundy, he, he, he wasn't the stepfather. He actually adopted Ted and gave him his name. Uh, Bundy carried a significant rage within him, which he couldn't let go concerning that. And at, at some point during his life, probably his teenage years, certainly his early adult years, he mixed fant uh, sexual fantasies with violence, which wasn't normal. Because most people that look at pornography or think about sex, they're just thinking about having sex with women or, or what have you, but they're not thinking about violence. We do know that he was mixing those things. And then when you get and stand back from everything that we know, and you look at it and you say, but why was he that way? We don't know. And I don't think anybody's ever going to know. And if anybody ever says they do know, Believe me, there will be a big question mark. Kevin, can you I tell mean, us? You're, you're a retired minister, and you know a lot of the questions. <laughs> the devil made me do it. Is is there any kind of yeah. predilection to believe this? Now, there's a really interesting story regarding him and his defense attorneys in court when information came out. Do you know which which story I'm referring to? And and the change. In, yes. Can you tell that? That's, yeah. We've got about three minutes yeah. left, but that's a freaky aspect yeah. of the story. Okay. Well, when I write true crime, I never talk about the supernatural aspects, but I believe in demons and, you know, de demonic possession. And, of course, I can tell you as a minister, Bundy had demon spirits, and they would occasionally manifest. And they manifested one day when he was sitting with his attorneys and some other people. Somebody had come in and whispered to somebody that they had found the, the body of 12-year-old Kim Leach. And when that happened, Bundy didn't say anything, but they all looked around at him. And he became tense. His body tone changed. They said a foul odor started uh, emanating from him, and he seemed to morph into something else. Well, that was, a, I can tell you, as a, as a minister and a deliverance minister, what that is. That's the manifestation, the rising of those demon spirits w within him. And uh, uh, that was kind of going into come some supernatural signs. Of course, these guys don't know what any of that is. It wouldn't have fazed me at all. I would, knew, I would know exactly what it is. But they didn't know what it is, but I've heard several of these people comment, and it said it really bothered us because they couldn't explain it. But that's not the only thing that happened that was uh, uh, supernatural. Uh, Stephen Michaud was interviewing him in prison, and um, when he said when Ted described one murder, he took the recorder, put it up by his, 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 his head, and it looked, like, it looked like he went into a trance. And... And, and I remember Michelle saying this. He said, this is going to sound weird, but it's true. He said a wealth appeared on his cheek and then started going down the cheek and became very long. And then it was there for a while. And then after he came out of this thing, it disappeared. Well, that's just something that's happening that's coming from the realm of spirit. Again, I don't ever, I don't ever talk about this when, when, right. when I'm writing True Crime. Well, Kevin, thank you for sharing it. And check out his new book, Through an Unlocked Door, In Walks Murder. You can find information 
at Amazon.com, and we'll put a link up on the Tom Bernard website. We'll be back. We've got more coming up at the top of the hour right here on the Tom Bernard Show.